Good morning, Mercy Vineyard. It is so good to be here with you today. I am Karen Buchanan. This morning, we get to talk some more from the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. But first, let's start with our church mission, which is we are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. And now on to the message. The winter of 1978 and 79 was a wild one, weather-wise, out in Mercer County, where I grew up. That winter, we had an abundance of one of my very favorite things, which is snow days. Now, I live in town, a mile from where I work, and so there is literally no such thing as a snow day for me. But I love snow days. While my parents are some of the hardest working people I have ever met, they never really made snow days a day for getting work done. We were mostly free to enjoy the treat. We played outside, we did craft projects, we baked, we read books, we laid on the floor in front of the wood stove and just relaxed. My heart just feels happy when I think about snow days. Maybe yours does too. They are so good. It was a snow day analogy that finally helped me appreciate the gift of Sabbath, but I'll get back to that in a moment. The word Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word that means to cease or to stop working for a 24-hour period once each week. And God commands a Sabbath in the Old Testament in what we know as the Ten Commandments. For me, the Sabbath commandment has been the easiest one to ignore until just late last year. The commandment never resonated with me. I read about people in the, you know, the olden days and, you know, how they spent their Sundays in stiff clothes, being quiet and sitting still, having no fun. And this was part of their choosing to be, you know, obedient to God and please God somehow. Or at least that's how I understood it as I read it. And who wants to do that? Not me. Uh, besides, growing up on the farm, weekends were a time of productivity. You know, there was all the usual household stuff. Then also, we were outside getting stuff done. So we cut firewood and we brought it to the house and split it and stacked it. And we baled hay and we built a fence and we butchered and processed our own chickens and hogs. And, you know, downtime was for stuff like going to town to pay bills um, or to go to yard sales. A day of rest was really not a priority on the weekend, and this absolutely made sense to me. Now, my husband Gary is a Jesus-following Jew, and he is serious about his Sabbath, which the Jews call Shabbat, uh, and he makes it happen. Saturday is the traditional Sabbath for Jewish people, and he has to work at his job every other Saturday. Uh, so he just makes it happen on his weekday off, and he sticks to his Sabbath. And I've watched this uh, during the time we've been married and before that, and I have thoroughly admired it, in part because of how dedicated he is to it, but also in part because of how he 
relishes it. He loves his Shabbat. Uh, but although I have admired it, I have had basically no desire to emulate it at all. I had stuff to do. Uh, a good Saturday or Sunday for me included working hard enough that my whole body hurt by the end of the day. But, you know, my soul was filled with satisfaction about the feeling of accomplishment, looking at what I had gotten done. Uh, and then I read this in a book that we were reading for Mercy's leadership team and discussing together. I read this quote and it changed that for me. Sabbath is like receiving the gift of a heavy snow day every week. Stores are closed. Roads are impassable. Suddenly you have the gift of a day to do whatever you want. You don't have any obligations, pressures, or responsibilities. You have permission to play, to be with friends, take a nap, read a good book. Few of us would give ourselves a no-obligation day very often. God gives you one every seventh day. Think about it. He gives you over seven weeks, 52 days in all, of snow days every year. That simple analogy was enough to do for me what a lifetime of shoulds couldn't even start to do. It made me want that gift. 52 snow days a year. Yes, please. Maybe you don't have a weekly Sabbath in your life. Most people don't. Maybe, like me, you haven't been interested in pursuing it, or maybe it just hasn't seemed like a possibility to you. But maybe 52 snow days a year sounds good to you, and maybe it sounds like a luxuriously decadent gift, wild beyond all measure, and you want to know more. So we're going to talk about that, but first, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have offered us the gift of Sabbath, and I just ask, Lord, that uh, you would go past our hardness of heart and our lack of information and our own understanding and show us what this gift is designed to be for us and in our lives and in the world around us. Lord, come and speak in the midst of this message. I lift it up in Jesus' name. Amen. Most people have heard of the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament. They're listed in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, and eight of them are short and sweet, and two of them are longer and more detailed. So let's just read through that section. This is the Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. It goes like this. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Commandment one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment two, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. 
even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Commandment three. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Commandment four. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons or daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Commandment 5. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Commandment 6. You must not murder. Commandment 7. You must not commit adultery. Commandment 8. You must not steal. Commandment 9. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And Commandment 10. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or servant, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Did you catch how much detail was given in the fourth commandment regarding the Sabbath. Let's look at that one again. First we have the command. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then you have the definition. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And then you have the how. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. And then the who. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. And then the why. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath and set it apart as holy. Now this last part of the verse there refers to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 through chapter 2 verse 4 which is the creation story and the most relevant part of that story for what we are discussing today as in the Sabbath is Genesis 2 verses 2 through 3 which says on the seventh day God had finished his work of creation so he rested from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, maybe it's just me, but I feel like God had to give us this much detail, because we are so prone to look for excuses, loopholes, and technicalities. Like, without spelling it out, maybe we just never do it. And at the time that God gave these commandments to the Israelites, they had just come out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. That's 400 years of no days off. And I have to imagine that the commandment for them uh, to take an entire day of rest every week felt even more counterintuitive than it does to us. After all, we build entire industries on being entertained and fed in ways that, you know, 
delight us. They didn't even have that. So imagine how counterintuitive this was. Robert Morris wrote a book called Take the Day Off, Receiving God's Gift of Rest. In that book, he notes that as Christ followers, we are called to pour out to others. And he uses this analogy that we are like the great big uh, fuel tanker trucks and we're, you know, going from one place to another and pouring out, pouring out, making deliveries everywhere we go of good spiritual stuff. Um, But we have nothing to pour out if we don't fill up. Uh, He describes the four tanks that we have that we really need to keep full to overflowing if we're going to go around ministering to others in a way that makes them want more of the ministry and doesn't make them just want to tell us to shut up and go away. Uh, These four tanks that we pour from uh, that need to be constantly refilled, he categorizes them as these spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental. So let's look at each of the four tanks. First of all, the spiritual tank. We fill up spiritually by spending time praying and reading God's word. But if we see those things as an obligatory chore and not a nourishing, refreshing privilege, then we wrongly think we're kind of doing God a favor by showing up to pray or read scripture um, instead of understanding that these, are, these things are gifts to us. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we are in a daily battle against forces that are not flesh and blood. And you know, if our spiritual tank is chronically empty, then we're more vulnerable to attack and even really to defeat. Our second tank is the physical one. So when we think of physical fitness, we tend to think about food and exercise, right? Diet and exercise. And honestly, most of us don't do either of them very well. Uh, But then we forget the crucial third pillar there of physical fitness, which is rest. Medical doctor Sandra Dalton-Smith wrote a book called Sacred Rest, and in it, she says that the following are signs that you need rest. You lack the physical energy to complete the items on your to-do list. You feel tired, but you have difficulty falling asleep. You experience frequent muscle pain and soreness. You depend on substances to give you more energy, things like caffeine, energy bars, and sugar. And you depend on substances to give you more rest, things like alcohol, pills, or comfort food. Chronically bad sleep is linked to the following. Weight gain, depression, inability to concentrate, low productivity, reduced athletic performance, increased risk of heart attack and stroke, type 2 diabetes risk, uh, diminished immune function, higher levels of inflammation and all the awful things that come with that, and poorer relationships. So we need rest. We need enough rest and we need quality rest. And this will include not only sleep, but restorative activities that fill us up and just time of, 
you know, being awake but resting. I'll say more about all of that shortly. Tank number three is the emotional tank. And when our emotional tank gets low, that can be known as emotional exhaustion. And we may experience things like the following. Numbness, irritability, difficulty uh, generating enthusiasm, and struggling to focus on vital tasks. Morris says that our primary fuel for the emotional tank is joy. And we tend to let stress and the cares of life steal our joy away, crowd it out. Psalm 28 verse 7 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And C.S. Lewis calls joy the serious business of heaven. Evangelist Billy Sunday once said, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. That was good. So we have to tend to what fills our emotional tank, and that will be different for different people. But some people find that emotional tank refill by spending time with people that they love. Uh, and for sure, some of us find that if you spend too much time on social media, too much time in the news, that drains your emotional tank. So we need to pay attention to what fills it and what drains it. And tank number four is our mental tank. So when our mental tank gets low, we may become chronically forgetful, distractible, unfocused, procrastination prone, accident prone, and unusually mistake prone. Our brain only functions as God designed it when we keep it healthy with rest and restorative activity. Again, this will be different for each person. Some are refreshed by funny movies. Uh, podcasts really do something for me, as does reading fiction or history. Those are some of my things. Morris points out that for him, reading work-related material on his Sabbath is working. It drains his mental tank rather than refilling it, and he suggests that Sabbath reading should have no direct relationship to or effect on your work or your daily responsibility. It should just be, you know, fun, interesting, and not about, you know, self-improvement. So we need all four tanks regularly topped off, spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental. And the Sabbath is a crucial tool for topping off all four of those tanks. It's important that we monitor those fuel levels with the help of the Holy Spirit because when we run low on a low tank or an empty tank, then that affects our relationships, all of them, from family to work to our relationships in the community. And it can cause us to act and live in ways that make people want to run away from Christ instead of toward Him. So there's more at stake than just ourselves as we're maintaining those four tanks. Clearly, we need a Sabbath. God designed us, and, you know, his designer specs call for it. Six days of work, one day of rest. But what do we do with a Sabbath? The book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality describes four basic principles to shape this day off, and they are stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. So let's look at each of these just a little bit. The first Sabbath principle is stop. Sabbath is about acknowledging that God is in charge and I am not. 
uh, that the world will not fall apart if I stop scrambling. This is a trust issue with the question being, will God take care of me and my concerns if I obey him by stopping to keep the Sabbath? And here's what Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 33 say about that. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Stopping is an act of obedience and a demonstration of our trust in God's promises. Sabbath principle number two is rest. Sabbath is a day to do whatever delights and replenishes you, which means it's going to look different for you than it does for me, most likely. So think about what refreshes you and what gives you deep pleasure and do that. For instance, I have two very specific delights that uh, pretty much always bring me peace and energy and good feeling and those are gardening and cooking for me they're life-giving for me they are play for me they are delight I am very careful however not to bring my husband Gary in on these things on his Shabbat because for him these things are work he'll come at them with a great attitude but for him, they take his energy away. He needs a break afterward. For me, they are the break. So Gary's restorative activity looks more like time in Torah study and uh, listening to music, things like that. What this tells me is that we need to refrain from judging what others do for their Sabbath. Because what's a chore for one is a treat for another. Resting means that we have to assign a different day for managing the tasks of life that consume our energy uh, or fill us with worry. Those have to be pushed off into different days of the week. We don't carry that into the Sabbath with us. Mark 2 verse 27 tells us that we weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. And there's just so much freedom in that, isn't there? It kind of peels away all the religious garbage that we tend to pile up on such a beautiful, wonderful gift that we've been given. 
Sabbath principle number three is delight. Genesis verse 131 tells us that after God created everything, he saw that it was good. And the Hebrew language around this communicates joy, completion, wonder, or play. So Sabbath is about delight, whether it's about relishing a specific kind of recreation or hobby, marveling at the wonder of nature or art, or being intentional and in taking delight in the people around us. With Sabbath, we step away from being task-oriented and immerse ourselves in the joy, the beauty, and the wonder of right now. Sabbath Principle number four is contemplate. Exodus 31, 15 tells us that the Sabbath is always holy to the Lord. And this speaks to our intention in honoring the day as a gift from God and not just a day off. It includes enjoying the Lord and feeling the Lord's nearness in the here and now, there in the Sabbath. So for most of us, this doesn't happen accidentally. The author of our book asks these important questions. What will it mean to prepare yourself for worship to receive the word of God? What time do you need to go to bed the night before? When might you have times of silence and solitude or prayer during the day? What final items do you need to resolve so that you can have an uncluttered Sabbath? In Jewish traditions, Shabbat starts Friday night at sundown and runs until Saturday night at sundown. And the transition from regular life to Sabbath is marked by the lighting of candles, the reading of psalms, the blessing of children, the eating of a meal, and giving thanks to God. These physical reminders help people to keep God at the center of their Sabbath. And I have been practicing Saturday Sabbath this year, aiming at my 52 snow days for 2020. And I have found that I do need to do a bit of prep work during the week to help myself enjoy the day. Like I, you know, have to plan food ahead and I have to straighten the house up enough that I won't be tempted to do just a little bit of work on my day off. Um, housekeeping and grocery tasks have to squeeze into the other six days of the week so that they don't bleed into my Saturdays and it requires attention and planning and learning this practice of just seeing, oh, I have 10 minutes here, I have 12 minutes here, I have seven minutes there. How can I use these minutes to get stuff done so that it won't be pressing me on Saturday? And do that instead of, you know, scrolling Facebook or, you know, whatever you do to kill time when you have those random little short times available. So it does take intention, but I have already found that it's worth it. I hope if you don't currently have a regular Sabbath practice that maybe you're more interested in it now. It's a beautiful gift all wrapped up just for you. And it'd be a shame to just let it sit there unwrapped. It's not like somebody else gets your 52 days if you don't collect them. God wants to give you 52 snow days every year, seven weeks every year of rest and of delight.
What a great gift. So I just want to take a moment now to pray for each of you as you're processing this. And so please just join me in prayer. Lord, I just lift up um, those who um, feel like it doesn't seem possible to have a regular Sabbath practice. And I ask, Lord, that you would infuse them with clarity, that you would infuse them with creativity, that, uh, Lord, you would surprise them with ideas about how it might work, that you would uh, just enlighten their eyes on where there are open doors to change things in such a way that it would make it possible for them to have a Sabbath um, and to have one day, whatever day that is, uh, set aside each week for rest and restor rest restorative activity. And Lord, I just uh, lift up every person and ask that you would give them courage to try it. Courage to trust that if you said that we get this gift, uh, that it must be available and that it must be possible. Give them courage and faith to just uh, open that door and see what's on the other side. And Lord, I ask that you give each person vision um, to see uh, the ways that you are opening doors. Vision to see the things that can be changed and moved and altered in their lives, Lord. A vision to see things that can be laid down and left aside uh, so that they can have this gift. And Lord, I just uh, ask for each person um, a sense of adventure about this, not obligation, not one more hard thing to do, not one more religious um, uh, duty, Lord, but that this would be an adventure and a gift and uh, a delicious treat for each person, that we would feel um, amazement and astonishment that you want to give a gift that big and that good to each and every one of us. And Lord, I just ask for each of us that you help us to walk in the truth that, you know, you said in your word that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And if you said it, it's true. And so if we are walking under such a heavy yoke and such a heavy burden and our lives are so hard that we think we can't possibly have a Sabbath, then we're not walking in your truth. So Lord, help us to walk in your truth. Help us to walk in the fullness of your word and the fullness of who you've created us to be in the fullness of all that we can have and all that we can do for your name's sake, for your kingdom's sake, and for the sake of others who will be uh, drawn to you, set free and walking in wholeness and the, the fullness of who they can be because we have walked in obedience to who you have created us to be. Come, Lord, and do this work in us. Come and do it in spite of us where you need to. Come and set us free that we may set others free in this. Thank you for the wonderful gift of Sabbath, Lord. Come and help us each to open up and receive this gift. I just pray all this in Jesus' name. You have a blessed day, and I look forward to seeing you again soon.